Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new edition of the Corner 3 Fast Break. We haven't done one of these since we did our team preview, but I couldn't miss out on a chance to talk about the upcoming 2016, no, 2017-2018 NBA Draft. And uh, I'm not a huge college guy. I, you know, I follow a little bit, so I had to bring in my dear friend and good buddy here. Uh, they gave me all the expertise on this. That's my good friend, Taylor Bergfeld. Man, thanks for joining us. Not a problem, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk about this class coming up. So, um... An interesting draft last year. Uh, obviously, you knew who one and two were off the bat. Uh, three and four and five got a little interesting there. You know, guys like Chris Dunn, Jalen Brown. Um, obviously, Ben Simmons is hurt now. Brandon Ingram coming off the bench for the Lakers. So when you look at this class compared to that one, it certainly seems like this draft is a little deeper. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a lot of more people stayed in college. You have a lot more juniors and seniors that, as I mean, as well as an outstanding freshman class that came in. Um, a lot of kids like Ivan Rab ended up staying in college who would have been a lock maybe for the lottery or at least the late first round. Um, Justin Jackson from North Carolina was projected to go into the draft as well, but he ended up staying. Thomas Bryant. And then Grayson Allen was kind of one of the most surprising because he you know, the, he brought it back a loaded Duke squad for the shoes college basketball season. That Duke squad is loaded but unhealthy, yeah. So I um, that's going to be one that stands out for me too. This is, you know... It, we're in an era of point guards, and we're seeing a lot of that throughout the league. Obviously, guys like Kyrie, Steph, um, Lowry, gosh, you can go down the list. D'Angelo is now stepping up in L.A. Um, so who are some of the point guards that really stand out from this draft class, really try to fit into that role? Um, the first one is the number one rated point guard. His name Dennis Smith Jr. He's from North Carolina, and he went to North Carolina State. He tore his ACL his senior year at his high school and actually enrolled at NC State early get into the rehab program, but he is a 6'3 guard. Um, he's he's long, on NC State, it's him and Omar Yurtseven, who's a Turkish center, and they're actually going to be the kind of one-two combo to keep NC State even competitive in the ACC. But he, in the 2015-16 uh, Adidas National Circuit, he averaged like 11 and 5 and 4 assists a game. Uh, he's explosive guard. They compared him to John Wall. He can dunk. His shooting and his handles aren't as tight as they would be, but that's having a year off basketball kind of going to do that to you. Um, moving on to Markel Foltz, he committed to the University of Washington. He's a 6'4", 195-pound guard. Um, he's very – he gets in the lane, and he shoots a lot of free throws. I actually saw him play um, in the McDonald's All-American game as well in the EYBL circuit for the Nike. He's he's very ball-dominant, which, I mean, that's fine as, for the AAU circuit because, you know, he gets a lot of people involved. But at Washington, I think he's going to be the guy, and we'll see how he reacts to defenses. But he can score the basketball at will. Um, you look at other people. I think Joel Berry is a good not not he's a good college guard. I don't know how his game is going to transition to the NBA, but um, he's kind of smaller. But another small guard is De'Aaron Fox from Kentucky. He's six four, one hundred seventy one pounds. Uh, they compare him to John Wall like quickness. He he can shoot all right, but not as good as the projections everything has for him. I watched him in the scrimmages, and you know when the season starts this week, we'll see a little bit more. Um, from him, and then also you have Lonzo Ball, who committed to UCLA. Him and his two other brothers played for Chino Hills out in California. They all committed to UCLA as well, and he's a very good passer. His shot is kind of like a Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Oh, it's nice! Off the, it's off to the left, so it's kind of <laughs> ugly. Which I don't know how that's going to get translated or transitioned into the college game. But you know, it's he's a very good ball dominant guard. He can pass, he can score. I mean, he's going to help Steve Alford's offense extremely out in UCLA. 
Yeah, so I think these are really guys to step up, you know, um, especially with that movie. The big point guard's kind of coming back a little bit, too. You're seeing that with guys like Giannis, Antetokounmpo, and uh, in Milwaukee. Um, I think, you know, there was some discussions about Brandon Eager potentially run, uh, playing a little point in L.A., so that would be interesting there. So that's one thing to stand out there. And kind of takes a second where we can read it because we know big men aren't really the big thing in the league anymore. There's DeMarcus Cousins, there's DeAndre. Uh, Joel Embiid kind of finally getting into that race, which is awesome. I love Joel Embiid. Yeah. Um, Thomas Bryant from Indiana, sophomore, had a big year last year. Uh, big Ten, uh, He's the early favorite for Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, this is a chance to really step and really make things happen. So, what do you feel about his game and how that translates to the league? He's very good at pick and pop, which is you know translation very translates well into the NBA. Um, he had Yogi Ferrell last year, and you know a lot of times a screen the guy's hedges. He Ferrell's able to get to the lane, get a layup, and then you know when the defender starts sagging off, pick and pop for Bryant. He's um, he, they played North Carolina in the Sweet Sixteen last year, and I got to see a lot of them actually. And North Carolina actually goes to Indiana this year, and they play. So I'll be excited to watch him. He's once he gets in the paint, it's hard to stop him, and he finishes with contact like it's nothing. Like everybody bounces off of him. He's six ten, two forty one. That's a big guy going up for a dunk that you're not going to stop. So, but another big guy I do like is Tyler Lydon. He's from Syracuse. He had twenty blocks in the NCAA tournament last year alone when he was heading uh, to their Final Four run. He stretched the floor, big guy. You know he can. He's small forward, power forward for the NBA. So he'll be you know stretch three, stretch four. Um, he he finishes over everybody, and he's I mean he's extremely tough. He he can get it done. He can rebound too, so he'll be a big factor for the Syracuse this year. So talking about those guys, and I mean obviously that that guy just screams Pacers to me. <laughs> yeah, like just just everything about him says Pacers. Yeah, he yeah the typical you know Tyler Hansborough like or the Roy Hibbert, they just rebounds and does things, and then fans hate him in three to five years. So yeah, exactly. Um, Bama Debio, I think I said his last name yeah. right, but. Uh, Kentucky forward freshman. Um, a lot of people talk about him a lot. Um, has some. Uh, he looks. He's when you watch his highlight films from his high school days. He looks. He jumps out of the of the screen. Whether it be on YouTube, the ESPNU game, the Jordan Brand Classic, whatever the heck you saw him play in. Uh, so he's an interesting prospect too. He's yeah. He's a man among the boys. There's there's a difference. I mean, you look at Anthony Davis in college, and you see him now in the NBA. Much thicker, obviously, put on tons of weight. You know. But Bam looks like that now in college, and he's around. You know, he, they played Asbury the other night, and he they absolutely just he's just dunking on everybody. And he's, I mean, six ten, two fifty. He's just a big, big guy. Um, other forwards, Marquise Bolden from Duke. He's you know he was down to Kentucky and uh, Duke as well when he was committed, and that that decision alone changed college basketball. I think this year, oh yeah, that gave them both a just another loaded center because Duke has Harry Giles, who I'll get to in a second. But Bolden is. He can shoot anywhere inside the three-point line. I mean, he, he's starting to shoot threes, but Coach K's offense probably won't, you know, fly for a big guy shooting threes. But he can rebound. He finishes over everybody just as well. And then my most intriguing prospect is probably Harry Giles. I've watched him since he was 15. He's one of those um, YouTube highlight reel guys, 6'11", just shoots, dunks, drives. He's a big guy who can dribble. He's But he just recently had knee surgery on his left knee, which he's torn his ACL. He's had knee had multiple knee surgeries. The guy is just a walking injury. He's actually out right now at Duke, but we'll, um, we'll have to see how that translates. He's I could see him being like a Kyrie Irving playing 10 to 15 games and still going in the top five of the draft just because of potential alone. NBA scouts are definitely drooling over him. Yeah, and we're seeing that now. Um, that youth movement in the NBA has been starting. I mean, again, it's really a new thing, obviously, but... Uh, you know how much scouts love those guys and how much teams like to build around those guys. Like, hell, Devin Booker just turned 20, 
and he's putting up 22 a game in the league right now. So does Giles fit that role to you? Yeah, he's. I mean, I think depends on where he goes. It's you know, it's he goes. I, I don't think he's immediately ready to just start right away. Like I wouldn't put him just on the you know 76ers or start or something. Just think, using him for an example, but. I think if he gets behind, you know, some people to help him, he needs to learn to have a better outside shot, not just a three-point, obviously, but just, like, just picking pops and free-throw line extended jumpers for him, and he'll be set, because he can finish with the best of them, and he can rebound, and, you know, his post hook is 6'11", you're not going to block that, you know what I mean? It's going to be hard to get that, but he, I think if he gets right behind the right, in the right system and right behind the right people, he'll flourish really out there. Yeah, and uh, I think the other thing, too, we talked about that, um, interesting topic here because the, we know the talent's there, but the age is really going to make things interesting, even though he's a true freshman, is uh, Josh Jackson from Kansas. He's going to be 20 before March Madness. Uh, does that hurt or help that kid when it comes to his prospects? Uh, I think it helps him because NBA, you, like you said with Devin Booker a second ago, I mean, they drafted Booker two years ago. You know, I, I would take a freshman Devin Booker over a senior shooting guard because, A, you get him for three more years. That's the age of Alone. So NBA scouts are going to see Jackson, who that, many have them projected going number one. Um, he's yeah, exactly. He's twenty years old, and by the end of, by the draft, he's just a a freak athletically, and he can, he can shoot, he can drive. He's a great passer. Kansas got. I mean, he was the number one player, small forward rated. He's. I think you know you get a player at eighteen, nineteen years old. You get him for two years to learn the league, and then, you know, by 23, he's dominating the league. It's going to be great. Yeah, I think he might be the best two-way player in this draft. He can defend. I mean, he's holding on Kansas. Kansas is such a loaded team backcourt-wise. they got Devontae Graham and Frank Mason that, you know, maybe he won't have to guard their best player, but Jackson, I mean, in the Jordan All-American game and the McDonald's All-American game, he he, he looked great. The way they finish in the lane is just unbelievable. It's finished with contact. He, 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 I mean, he can can do it all. So, Let's talk about that before we kind of get around the uh, the college basketball institution there and things like that. So, obviously, there's a big talk about amateur play, and that's been going on forever. Uh, the Ben Simmons one and done documentary, which was super good, um, so I really appreciated that. That kind of starts with the McDonald's All American Game, the Jordan Brand Classic, and those high school All Star games, and you know a lot of people do feel that's kind of an exploit of these kids and like to make some money and have some people come out and watch these guys play while they get nothing. So you being a guy that really follows college basketball, that is your religion basically. Um, how do you feel about that argument? Yeah, I mean, it's NCAA and the players are they're kind of getting further and further apart as we look at it. I mean, especially when you have Jay Billis who's very adamant on the player side, which I love. Yeah, exactly. So why? I mean, it's like you said, well they recently stopped selling jerseys, you know, make money off the kids and you know, you can't put last names on the kids anymore. And, I mean, I, you do feel bad for the kids because they're packing every major. You know, they, they, like Tuesday, Michigan State plays Kentucky and Kansas plays Duke. That's, they're, at, they're in Brooklyn. I mean, that's, they're loaded people into an NBA arena to watch these college kids play, and these kids aren't seeing a dime of it. Right. And it's just – and then you get – I mean, it's just – Yeah, I'm with you. Um it's great when you have this idea, you know, and, like, I have this conversation with Jimmy Clausen uh, a few times. Uh, it's great when you have, like, the guy that, uh, you know, that, that gets the free education to go play football. But then again, that tuba player's playing, you know, getting free education. Yeah. That kid is in the library all night studying science with their 4.3 GPA is also getting a free education. Yeah. But they're not the ones making money for the school. No. It's, yeah. It's, and then you get a lot of the schools, NCAA, is making these kids go to... They're like there's a couple prep schools like Oak Hill and all these. They're not bad academic schools by any means, but there's right. some schools in Texas that slipping off the name. But like Terrence Ferguson, he came into Arizona, but his transcript 
wasn't good enough to get into school, so now he's actually playing in Australia. And you see these games like the McDonald's All-American game and the Jordan Brand Classic, they probably honestly helped him to get to those amateur leagues. Because I remember when J.R. Smith was in high school, he committed to North Carolina, playing in the McDonald's All-American game, shows out in that game, shoots, does everything great, and he's like, you know what, this improved my draft stock, I'm going to go right now. And I think, I think once they just, I think if they give the kids the option, you know, the McDonald's All-American game and the Jordan game, that if they could go from high school, those games actually might elevate those kids and they might leave after those games in the future. But I, I don't think that's going to happen because the NCAA makes way too much money off these kids that I don't think they're going to give them the option to leave at the high school anymore. Well, let's talk about Brandon Jennings then. I mean, he kind of started that trend of going yeah. overseas for a year. Yeah, he was, well, he came to Arizona as well and he, you know, went over to, I forget exactly where he went, but yeah, he was like, you know what, I'm going to go play over here and make my money and then come back to the draft. Emmanuel Moutier did it. And it translates well. I mean, you think, and if not, I mean, those kids, those kids are superstars over there. Like, Terrence Ferguson is already a superstar in Australia. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. And any NBA ex-player that plays in Europe, they do so well anyway. Like oh, yeah. Amari Sotomayor's killing it yeah. right now in Israel. Michael and Beasley did it in China. Yeah. And Stephon Mulberry. Look at him. He was an MVP of the Chinese League forever. <laughs> and now, like, they worship him over there. It's great. Yeah, I think Starberries are actually still sold there. Yeah. Jeez, will be. So uh, let's kind of you know go around, go back to talking about these prospects in this draft coming up. This is quarter three fast break as we're getting you ready for the 2017-18 early preview for the NBA draft. So let's talk about um, some under the radar guys. You know some guys who yeah maybe they're not going to make it in the lottery. Maybe they'll be like the, that that 15 through 19 range that Bobby Portis, Cherry, and Grant range of uh for my Bulls lingo. Exactly. Um, some of those guys that you could really see getting drafted in that area and really jumping out to you. Uh, they have him at the late lottery. It's Laurie Markian. He's a power forward from Arizona. He's from Sweden. He played in the FIBA, and he played against the, US, the USA team, the, the 18U teams that play over there. He's a stretch, four, stretch the four big man, like a Dirk Nowitzki. He's very good. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of them. If he would have stayed over in uh, Switzerland, you know, they might have drafted him in the lottery. But, you know, playing against Arizona can either help elevate his play against these, you know, the top prospects or it could hurt him because it could show like the difference in European basketball compared to American. Um, I think he can slip under the radar and be good. I think Malik Monk, I think he's way underrated for 18. Kid is an absolute scorer. I saw him play the AAU circuit. He's He gets in the lane, and he's so quick. Um, his shot needs definitely improvement, but, I mean, that's what this year's for. It's the de- developmental league. Uh, you know, Omar Yurt 7, like I said earlier with Dennis Smith, he's going to be the main guy for NC State. He's uh, 7 foot, 228. Um, him and Dennis are literally going to be the entire offense, and Gottfried is just going to run their offense through them because if they don't, they're not going to make the tournament. So I think he'll have a good year. Edmund Sumner from Xavier. Uh, yeah. Absolute beast. Last year in the tournament alone, he was amazing. He 6'5 guard. I mean, Chris Mack's going to literally hand the ball off to this guy and be like, all right, man, take us there. And then I Miles Bridges is probably, I think, one of the most underrated. He's a small forward, power forward from Michigan State. Um, he's typical Draymond Green. He's just a... Just physical, physical guy. Get in the lane, can shoot, dunk on everybody in your face, trash talk. It's it's great. And Jaron Blossomgate is also a small forward. He was on the ACC first team um, from Clemson. He's like I said, one of those guys that if the team's going to do well, it's got to be through him. So I think defenses are going to start focusing on him, obviously solely. So that could hurt his stats, but I think he'll be a tremendous in the NBA player. I had noticed he didn't use the name VJ Beecham anywhere in there. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, exactly. He's he's a good three. I I'm think kidding, he, of course. Yeah, he'll be a. I think he'll be a good two guard in the NBA. I, I mean, he last year alone in the lead eight, he was spraying all, North, all over North Carolina, and that you know had me in worries. Um, he he. 
I think, you know, without Demetrius Jackson this year, the offense is solely going to be with him and without August as well. I think he's really going to step up and, you know, Notre Dame's going to be good this year. They, BJ Beecham, he can, he can get in the lane, he can score, he can defend, he can rebound. I think he'll be, I think he'll transition well in the NBA. Well, he's kind of like, him and Bonzi Colson are kind of the last of that group. That yeah, the Pat Jerry and Grant, yeah. Pat Connaughton, you know, and those guys are role players, they're guys yeah. are bench players in the NBA, and they're, you know, they're doing their thing. And I think that's the thing people realize, like, when they talk about these guys being NBA, like, failures or busts, it's like, all 30 teams carry, at the most, 15 guys. Yeah. And huh. 12 of those guys dress. Yeah. So, like, you know, when people talk about these guys being, like, busts or not making the league, like, that's not the case. These are guys that, like, are part of, like, the 300 best basketball players in the world. Yeah. They're on the team. I mean, even the people in the D-League, you look at, you know, D-League people, like, Yogi Ferrell, great college player. Yeah. Just, yeah, I think he's with the Knicks now. Nets but, now, like, yeah, just oh, Nets, sorry, yeah, he, but he was in the D-League, you know, I mean, that's, that's a good four-year senior guard in college that... Just like you said, not good enough to make the roster right now, and it just shows you how good those players are. Um, other, the, I think a guy who slipped under the radar a little bit is the Pac-12 player, like uh, preseason player of the year, is Dylan Brooks. He led Oregon last year. He was unbelievable, and I think they're going to be, I think they're a team to watch out for this year. He's a, you know, I think he can play anywhere from the three or the four in college, or in the NBA. Sorry, um, he averaged sixteen point eight a game last year with six rebounds and three assists. The guy just does it all, like. The offense ran through him. He's like a Antetokounmpo kind of. He brings the ball up the court. He finds his guards, and it's just—he's unbelievable to watch. Yeah, and I, I, it's another point. I'm, I'm really excited for Oregon this year. Um, I think a lot of people really just think of them as a team that just has nice unis and yeah. you know gets gets all the gets all the Nike perks. And they're and starting to recruit in basketball. They are, and it's, they're going to be scary once that happens because the Pac-12. There's that's a league that kind of everybody forgets about. Like, yeah, do you think Arizona dominates it? And UCLA with Alford—they're getting back around to like what they used to be. But Oregon, yeah, Oregon's been that team. They, they, I mean, they were the one seed last year. Lost to Oklahoma in a great game. I mean, it's just you lost. You ran into Buddy Heald, who just didn't miss that weekend. But <laughs> he did not. No, they're, I mean, they were <laughs> at Final Four last year in the Elite Eight. Those matchups were great all around. Um, I remember Villanova taking down Oklahoma pretty bad. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's just a, shows you how good of a role Villanova was on. That they, they they scared me obviously going into the championship game, and they just oh, it broke my heart. But. They, yeah, they, they were firing all, all cylinders against Oklahoma. They they made Buddy Heal. I mean, at halftime, they were up like 30, and then it just didn't stop in the second half. It was just a, a brutal massacre. No, I think what's fun about that is um, I think college basketball at times really kind of misses that, like, dynamic player matchup because so many teams, like Kentucky being prime example, yeah. like all those kids that play basketball in the SEC, besides Ben Simmons last year, obviously, they go to Kentucky. Yeah. And because they know they're going to run through their conference, yeah. they know that like those are just practice games, basically. basically yeah, they might run into like there was that one year Texas A and M was decent. Yeah, uh, Florida on and off had good teams, but the Cal Perry area they really haven't, honestly. Yeah, Donovan didn't beat them for a while, and yeah. they went to the NBA, and then they got the kid from uh, I forget the school, Middle Tennessee State. I think he's the case there now, but he, yeah, he he's building the program back, but it's hard. I mean, Donovan had those good years in the early two thousands, and then he had good players. I mean, that that was two thousand five, two thousand sixteen with Brewer, Horford. Yeah, oh god, Joe they were King sick. Name, Billy Humphrey, or Lee Humphrey. Sorry, yeah, they were they were loaded. But like you said, yeah, the SEC is a one team, like one dominated team. That the thirty eight and one Kentucky team is still like one of the most fascinating teams to me. I mean, they they started the Harrison twins, then you had Towns, and you had Booker, then you had Willie Cauley Sonic. All these kids are pros. Yeah, and it, I mean, like everybody's like, oh, how did they not go undefeated? Like, I mean, yeah, they lost a game, but those kids were a pro team against college kids, just dominating them. Like Carl Anthony Towns was unbelievable in college. He is like. Yeah. Yeah, there's that guy that, like, you'll see some of those guys that, like, they have no business playing college basketball. Carl Anthony tells them no business playing college basketball. No, he, he just stepped in the NBA day one and did 
just just what he's doing now. I mean, you know what I mean. He's he's great. Kyrie Irving had no business yeah. playing college basketball. Eleven games. Yeah, he stepped in the league. He's like, all right, I'm just going to take this over real quick. So. Yeah, and so like I think that's what makes that interesting. And um, going back to my point is, you know, we had a little bit of that last year. There was the uh, Oklahoma LSU games. We saw Buddy Heel go against oh, Ben Simmons. Awesome. Yeah, and that was a fun game. Yeah, uh, that was the game where Ben Simmons got scrutinized for not taking the last shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so you know, we don't see a lot of that anymore. So that's what's cool about those those games you mentioned. You know, those Brooklyn, those Barclay Center games. Yeah, those kids aren't seeing money, but you're getting to watch must see college basketball. It makes the regular season, and they're so smart putting that in the front of the schedule. Like, I mean, obviously the season starts today, so you get next Tuesday is when the Michigan State. So you got uh, Miles Bridges against Malik Monk, and I mean the scouts are obviously going to be watching and just I mean, looking at the potential of the draft. But as the fans, you're like, oh my god! Like you remember from the '90s, Leitner and Hill against the Kentucky teams, like. It's like you said. It's cool seeing these superstars play, like actually face off against each other, rather than just in the conference matchups, and it makes it great. It does, and I think that's going to be a big thing there. So we're about twenty-one minutes into this. It's going pretty well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, some of these college teams. You know, we'll, we'll do a little bit of like a five-pick mock draft here in a moment, uh, so we can kind of get people ready for who you'd say would go one through five. So. Um, if you had to go right now on record, I know obviously we got to play a game first. When you look at these rosters, like you, like I know you have, when you look at like how every team's built, and you know these tr- these great freshmen coming in with these experienced players they already have, who would you say would be come the the first weekend the first weekend in April? We're looking at as the final four teams. Uh, probably the Duke Blue Devils. They their starting lineup is absolutely unbelievable. They probably start Frank Jackson at the one. They brought back Grayson Allen, who I mean he's. Everybody has their opinion on him. He's a great scorer. Um, kid gets to the free throw line. He can shoot. They'll have Jason Tatum, who I think is one of the best press prospects. He's like I, I compare him to Kevin Durant. Obviously not as good of a shooter now, but uh, he's he's so tall and he, his shot is so high up that he's literally going to get it off over everybody. He's six eight and he's so fast. He, exactly, and he can dunk on every everybody. And they're going to have Tatum at the three. Um, they'll get Giles back. Like I said, I think he had that injury to his knee. So once he gets back, I think he'll fit well in the rotation. They still have Emil Jefferson, who's a senior, who people forget that redshirt, like, got hurt in the middle of the year last year, so redshirted the rest of the year for his uh, fifth year. And then they have Marquise Bolden. They have Luke Kennard off the bench. They're they're just honestly stacked. And you have Coach K as your coach. So right. Gonna have, that doesn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be everything. Uh, my second team, I'll probably give it to Kansas, just because of the veteran backcourt. They have... Frank Mason is a senior guard. Uh, Devontae Graham. They have Josh Jackson that we both think is great. Um, they have big guys of Yudoka Azabuke who came in, who I think you know, he's he's a really below the rim basketball, like the center, which you don't have a lot of in college basketball anymore. No. Like a lot of people want to be a stretch forward, stretch five. And that's just kind of the way the NBA is going, and you'll have that. But Azabuke is just strictly a below the basket guy. They have Carlton Bragg, who's a stretch four, who can play kind of all around the perimeter. Um, they'll be good. My number three team I'll give to Kentucky. Just because Cal Perry brings in everybody he wants. If there are, I think there are three teams in the country that, recruiting-wise, they say, okay, we want you, you come to us. And I think it's Duke, Kentucky, and Arizona. They get who they want every year. Well, Coach K's got a little unfair advantage there yeah. with uh, Team K, USA. Yeah, and... exactly. Hey, sorry I didn't call you this week. I was in Brazil coaching Kyrie and Jimmy Butler and all these people. <laughs> and the recruits are just like, that's awesome. That's um, Woj, on his podcast, was talking about that one time when um, he would like, Coach K would be talking to kids. And he'd be like, well, who's your favorite NBA player? And they'd be like, well, LeBron. And he would call LeBron and be like, hey, buddy, can you talk to this guy for me? Think about coming to Duke. Like, that's not fair. No, it's... Uh, there's also... It's, there's nothing wrong with it. No, there's not. I mean, you, I mean, every coach... Everybody, everybody that says they have a problem with Coach K using the Olympics is stupid. Like, I think they... 
I, if I was a coach, I would know oh, that every day. Absolutely. Like, exactly what you said. Call him. Okay, like Kobe, here you go. Kobe almost came here. Kobe almost did. You know what I mean? I coach Kobe. We're good friends, blah, blah, blah. And it's he's. It's just they, they get who they want. So Calipari having Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo. They have Sasha Killian Jones, who's probably going to like, be the sixth or seventh man off the bench. And he would start at any program. They got players yeah. coming back still. Exactly. They, 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 he would start at any program. They have Derek Willis, who's a stretch four. He probably won't do anything in the NBA, but he's a good college player. Yeah. He, I mean, it's they, they're they loaded. They're Like you said, they're kind of the SEC's kind of practice games for them. So you don't really know how they're going to be. I don't think they're going to be like last year. I think they're going to win a lot more games. I do too. Because last year they were solely dependent on Ulysses and Murray. And if they didn't have a good game, they got beat by 20. Right. Like, and it was bad. But, um, yeah, this year I think they'll be all right. I think they do lose to Michigan State. Um, I do too. Just because Michigan State's got a little bit more leadership in the guards, and I don't know I don't know if Kentucky shoots that well from the outside at this beginning because Michigan State's got some bodies down low, and I think it's going to be a perimeter game that kind of wins it. But we'll see. Um, my number four team, probably going to go with North Carolina. I mean, I'm kind of a homer here, but I do like them. They bring back um, Joel Berry. Theo Pinson, Justin Jackson, Kennedy Meeks, and Isaiah Hicks. Well, Pinson actually is out with a broken foot. will be out 8 to 12 weeks. But the additions of 7th uh, Woods, Brandon Robinson, and Tony Bradley. I think Bradley's one of the most underrated prospects. He'll be a good center for the, uh, Carolina. They're, they got a, you know, every Roy Williams team that's won a title, they've had veteran guards. I mean, last year they almost won it with Page as a senior and Johnson as a senior. But I look at Joel Berry as like a Ty, uh, Ty Lawson kind of guard. Not yeah. like NBA-wise transition, but like as college, he's quick Ball dominant, you know, knows the offense, and he can finally get Carolina into the rhythm. I think they're going to be good this year. I don't, you know, I can see maybe Sweet 16, Elite 8. I don't know about the Final Four. They're going to need a couple people to step up to be good. But, and then my fifth team, I know everybody always says Arizona, and I think honestly this is the year Sean Miller does get to the Final Four. He's got Alonzo Trier, he's got Lori Markian, he's got Raleigh Atkins. He's, I mean, they, in the Pac 12s kind of weak, they got Oregon and Arizona and UCLA, but I think he's going to get. Some good things going out there. They actually played a night against Michigan State on the um, aircraft carrier game. That'll be cool to watch. That always fun. Yeah, um, they. He's got to get. He's got a good program. He's finally recruiting, and he. I mean, he's never been to a Final Four, and that obviously hurts his you know legacy right now when people think of him. But the guy can recruit, and he can coach too. So when he gets it together, I think. I think this is finally the year when it gets to Phoenix. Yeah, uh, mine. You know, I got Duke at one. I think that you know all the reasons you mentioned, and when they get Giles back from his injury. Yeah, they, the sky's the limit for them. Yeah. They, they're um, the pre-time pre- favorite. That's who everybody's thinking. So. Yeah, and I know that's super easy to say. Yeah. They're, you know, it's it is, but it's, it's like saying Alabama's the favorite team in college yeah. football. It's just like you know, it's it's cyclical. Every year they just they yeah. do it. As Coach K, just you know, it's especially in March. Coach K. I mean, yeah, he had the the Lehigh games and the Mercer games, but Coach K usually succeeds in March. And, oh yeah, you know, it's anything can happen there. We all know how that goes. So yeah, and it's uh, it's it's hard to you know, like even as the you know, we're not we're not Duke fans at all. Yeah. Like, not the stretch. You're a diehard Carolina yeah. fan. I'm a Notre Dame guy. Uh, my family went to Xavier, so I root for them too. Um, but you can't dislike him. Like, no. Oh, I, I mean, <laughs> I have my moments, you know, where he, he, he does some things that kind of irk me. But overall, as a coach, like, he's, he's great. He's, you know, he's great for the game. That that circle of coaches of Kay, Williams, uh, Bayheim, you know, they're getting older. And I think, I don't think in the next six to ten years they'll both be there. I think Coach K, I think if he wins one more and gets to six rings, you know, I think he's done. Yeah, which is unbelievable. He's got five all like all after the year two thousand. Right. And yeah. It's just. His I teams mean, he's had some teams that are just unreal. Yeah, and you, 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 um, 
JJ Reddick's podcast had Jay Billis on there recently, yeah. and they talked about Coach K and just how much they loved him. Oh, he's, I mean, he's, he's great for the game. He's a great recruiter, too, so he, he does it all. Yeah, he's adapted. You're yeah. the one. He was against one yeah, and done for a while. Definitely. He was the, the typical three to four senior year team. I think Calipari did that. I think Calipari changed college basketball. I agree. Because he did, I mean, that first year he was at Kentucky when he had Wall, Bledsoe, Boogie, Patrick Patterson, even though Patterson was a Billy Gillespie recruit. Daniel but, Orton. Yeah, Daniel, well, yeah, Orton was a top ten recruit at the time. Yeah. I mean, that, that team alone, unbelievable. You know, and then he, it's just selling these kids. It, hardest part would be having to sell these kids like, okay, this person's going to leave. Like, you can, because, you know, they, they probably guarantee playing time. Yeah. Like, if you're a three and you're like, okay, we got Malik Monk this year at the three, you know, he's probably going to go to the draft, so the spot's yours. And if he doesn't, then you get a year like the 2012 team where they have just a second unit that's better than half the team in college basketball. Yeah. Well, there's another thing this year I want to touch on real quick. Um, we have another Enos Cantor case this year in college basketball. <sighs> uh, what, what were your thoughts on that? He, I, it's just, see, anytime they get... It's, it's a sticky situation. You know, they, NCAA is so against the players getting money and whatnot. And anytime that thought is there, it's, you know, it's one of those, like, can we let him play? Should we not let him play? And I, I don't know. Canner, that whole situation was, like, just kind of weird. He, he, I remember I went to a UK-Indiana game back in 2011, when they, obviously when he was on the team, like Brandon Knight and that team. But Canner was out there shooting before the game. Just, and he's great. I mean, that team, that team made the Final Four. Without him. Yeah. They, with him, they'd probably win it. Yeah, with yeah. Josh Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. George, I mean, he... He played he, out of his mind. Exactly. They beat Ohio State, and he, like... I remember the signature play. He was going out of bounds and threw the ball at Sullinger, and, oh, that was great. But, yeah, you put Enos Kanter on that team, that team probably wins it. Like, I mean, hands down. They, yeah, Harrelson was great. Like you said, played out of his mind, but Harrelson's not in the league anymore. Right. And Kanter is. And yeah. Good thing, so. And then you got to mention, too, uh, Terrence Jones, that was his freshman yeah. year. He stayed for that second year, and I love Terrence. I was like, he yeah. got a lot of bad crap at Kentucky fans, but he was good. Yeah, I mean, he was a top five recruit when they got him, and he, he won a title. Him and Deron Lamb. I mean, yeah, the 2012 team had Marcus, Marcus Teague, um, Michael K. Gilchrist, and Anthony Davis. But you don't you don't have 2011 team, you probably don't win at all. You don't yeah. have Jones, who takes the ball some pressure away from Davis, and you don't have Deron Lamb, who was... Unbelievable in college. That team also Kyle Wilcher, too, off the yeah. bench. So yeah, they were stacked. Yeah, I mean, they, they always are. It's <laughs> right. Just, it's not fair, but it is fair. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, um, but going back, so I guess that will relate. So I have Kentucky in there. Uh, it's hard not to, yeah. regardless of how much it pains me to say. So two teams off the bat that I just loathe. Um, but you got to respect what they do. Um, I'm similar to you. I, I got Carolina in that spot there. I think that they're, I think they're special. Yeah, I um, think they, losing Pinson hurts. It I mean, does. Eight to Twelve weeks. That's their on-ball defender, and the kid, his freshman year, had any or. Shoe problems and shoe problems. Um, his, his feet were messed up. He broke his right foot coming into college, and you know he he couldn't get it. His freshman year, he was struggling. You know when you that transition period from the summer to the beginning games to the conference play. Conference play is usually where the freshmen get their confidence and start yeah know, playing really well. But Pinson was already behind there. So then his sophomore year, he plays the whole year. Plays great. You know, he, was, he was a good player last year. On ball defender, not asked to do a lot. But this year, you know, going into the summer where he's supposed to be the starting two and the you know, one of the main guys on the offense, and he breaks his foot, like, you know, it's it's, it's going to be a struggle. They're projecting him to come back in the middle of the conference play, which, give or take, but that's still some adjustment. As long as he's healthy by March, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, that's all that matters. Kenny Williams who steps up, and he can. he's a good on-ball defender, and he's a good outside shooter, but, you know, losing that spot takes somebody off of the bench, and, you know, it's just starting another cycle. So. I was really close to putting Villanova in this box. I think that they're going to be special again yeah, this year. Yeah, I mean, that... Chris Jenkins, good power. He's a good four. I mean, you know, other than hitting the most 
spectacular shot. Maybe in NCAA <laughs> history. I mean, Leitner hit it in the fight, like the Elite Eight. The There's the, the Jordan game. shot in 83. Yeah. 84, sorry. Yeah. There's Leitner in 92. Yeah. And now there's this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like Leitner said, Leitner hit it in the Elite Eight to send Duke to the Final Four. There's not a bigger shot in the world than Jenkins hitting a like a trailing three to win the national championship. All tied. Like, nothing to lose there. He, I mean, he hit it. And I was, uh, it was just unbelievable. I mean, yeah. and you know, the best part is he's actually half-brothers with Nate Britt, who's the point guard of Carolina. And, they, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of crazy, the bragging rights in that family. That's, you know, he could have forever hold over his head, so... Yeah, and then um, my fourth, I wanted to be Nova. I think they'll be like my, they'll be a two seed. They'll yeah, be a good two seed. Definitely, them and Xavier are gonna have a good battle in the big. Yeah, game. I can't wait for that yeah, game. That's gonna be huge. Um, I will say it's gonna be Kansas. I mean, yeah. like all the reasons we mentioned there, it's super easy. I know we have the same teams just in different states, but I think that they're gonna be special, and it's it's that's super easy to say. And I mean, Bell Self has won the Big Twelve like the last thirteen years. Right, like who who competes with them? Shaka might give them a run at yeah. Texas this year. He's finally getting some recruits there. He's got Jared Allen, who's yeah, he's projected to be a one and done. But I don't know. He's not really an offensive guy. No, it's kind of. But like Texas always has it. Like the Miles Turner doesn't do great things on the offense, but gets some. Now, now he's in the league. He's doing great all over. But yeah, and they have, also have Andrew Jones who's a point guard. But I see him more of a two or three year player. He's kind of small, but I mean, like once Shaka gets himself a program there and gets established, I think the tides are turning. You know, um, Hoiberg leaving Iowa State. That Iowa State was good in the Big Twelve. You they know, were. That was a team to challenge Kansas. Not not that they've fallen off since they left, but they're not top five, top ten team like they usually were when Hoyberg was there. So us as Bulls fans, we'll gladly send him back there. You don't like him? No. <laughs> yeah, he's he's different. Is I'll put it to you like this: Last night when they're playing Miami, the game's on the line. Dwayne Wade doesn't come in until three minutes ago in the game, and like Justice Winslow is out of his mind last night, like hitting everything. He was. That was the best game I've ever seen him play. That includes his college career. Yeah. And um, he's got Miritich, McDermott, Isaiah Cannon, Jimmy Butler on the court. And the games in Miami. And Robin Lopez. Which Robin Lopez shot 20 times last night. Man. <laughs> maybe, yeah, he should go back to college because that offense is probably not working for the Bulls. But they didn't get the win, so. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's do this real quick before we wrap this up. Um Right now, it looks like if we went by records, which we know the NBA is a lottery, and that's not how the case goes. It's Philly, it's New Orleans, uh, Brooklyn, Washington. Those are kind of the teams in that range right yeah. now. Obviously, a lot can happen because we're only eight, nine games to yeah, the season. Um, you're one through five right now as far as draft picks. I'm going to go one, um, Jason Tatum from Duke. He's he's going to be the main guy. And with a team as loaded as Duke, like you can't single in on one person. So Tatum's going to get hit. He's going to score at will. Um, two, I'm probably going to go Josh Jackson. And, I, you know, we talked about Philly kind of needing a three because I think Ben Simmons can play the four. And, and the one. Yeah, exactly. he can play all over. And, He's Giannis. You, know, you got um, Tatum who can play the three and Josh Jackson can play the three. I think both of them, one and two. Like, uh, New Orleans, Tyreek Evans can play the one. I mean, you can move Buddy to the two. You can do this. You can put Jackson. Well, they're getting Rue back, too. Yeah, exactly. So if you put – Josh Jackson can play the three in the NBA. And I think, you know, Pelicans do need a three if, if that's where they're at at two. Um – you know, three, I'm going to go Dennis Smith because a team like Orlando probably be in the top five, and they need a point. Alfred Payton's just not what no. he thought he would be, and that's fine. I mean, he was, that's what you get from drafting. He was what, from Louisiana Monroe, mm-hmm. some school like that. So, like, it's, you know, he looks great against that competition, but when he turns into the NBA, he's just not who they thought he was, and that, that happens sometimes. But I think Smith, you know, he's electric guard. Um, he can score. I think he'll be fine once he gets fully his legs back under him and healthy. I'll go four. Um, I'm probably going to put Harry Giles just because potential. Just I mean, you see with Kyrie, played 11 games, they still drafted him. Yeah, and, like that's the way it goes. I'll put Giles at four, um, and then I'm going to go Ivan Rab, who nice. is the powerful. I like now. him. Yeah, he's 
he's kind of underrated. I, I, a lot of people, it was him and Brown, Jalen Brown, last year, and they, you know they were they were great. Um, they didn't do as well in the tournament. They lost first round, but I think Ivan Rab coming back is kind of just to work on some offensive things for him because he's a beast on defense. He blocks everything. Nobody gets around him. He rebounds the ball well, but I think yeah, him at five could be kind of a sleeper because if Cal's going to do well, it's going to be on his shoulders. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, uh, last thing before we get out of here, um, I know you're a dear Laker fan. You're a big Laker fan. Yeah. Uh, grew up a huge Kobe guy. So, what do you think so far, man? It's fun. Yeah, I mean, I always thought when they drafted D'Angelo, I, like I said to you earlier, I thought Moutier was the right pick of that draft. I was wrong because D'Angelo is great. He can score. He can pass. Clarkson's been great. The second round draft pick that we got him, I mean, he's, he's filled out. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I'm glad he's not starting. I think after the All-Star break, he'll be starting. Randall's been fun to watch. After he, what, that was two years ago that he had his injury mm-hmm. for the first opening night. Yeah. Moskov, he's been good for what we had from. Like, it's just, you said earlier on the podcast last week that, uh, you know, you think Nerlens Noel would be a good fit there. I think, I mean, you're spot on with that. Moskov isn't the guy you build around in the future. But, you know, he's doing well in his part right now. Lou Williams, great bench player. Nick Young, other than, you know, his crazy antics, he can shoot the ball. He, I mean, he's really good. But the other fun to watch, Luke Walton has a team that's actually competitive. I don't know if they slip into the 7 or 8 playoff spot. I don't yet either. I think they're finished ninth or 10th in the West, which is cool. I yeah. mean, it's better than last year. That, that's a lottery pick. And I'm a big Kobe guy, but, like, yeah, that last year was not fun to watch. Yeah. yeah just shooting 60 times a game. But that Utah game was awesome at the end of the year. Just it was so cool. Like, um, you know, and you, I know that, like, there wasn't a lot of defense played in that game, but yeah. he certainly, like, when he got hot, it was still oh, it was fun great. to see, you know, like. Yeah, crowds going nuts. Like, they acted like it was game seven. Just. He just shot 60, walked off, and you haven't really heard from him since. He's kind of just doing his own thing. Like, it's great. Why, why is it that there's this argument for Laker fans? Is like, what number do you retire for him? Why don't you retire both? That's what I think. I was going to retire both. I, he won, what, two rings with 24, three with eight. Yeah. So if you're going to do that, I mean, but I say, I say you retire both of them, but if they, I bet he retires 24. I do, too. Because... Eight would be insinuating that I was with Shaq, and you know how he feels about that. So he wants to be his own guy. But I'm glad they've kind of made up now. But me too. It was cool seeing Shaq at the last game. That it was, was neat, was and like him saying, "Like I dare you to score yeah. 50," and the MF for score 60. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's, they're great. Yeah, I want Kobe to go do uh, TNT because I think he'd be awesome with that. Yeah, crew. well, they gave um, yeah Garnett's I, awesome on yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. What I was about to say they had. Did you see Garnett and Rasheed Wallace? Yeah, man. Fun. They should that's have fun. getting themselves into because they're dropping cuss words left right. It's so <laughs> funny, but that's just them. Like that's how they are. Yeah, I think Kobe'd be a good insider. I think, I think he'd be exactly what they want. Like when Kenny and Charles and all them were talking about, you know, like this could happen. Kobe would just set it straight. Like, no, that's not what's happening. Like, Charles yeah. called the Bulls game last night, and it was incredible. He was actually the color commentator. Yes, man. it was great. It was him. Uh, um, it was him, Marv, and Kevin McHale. And like he's talked like fondly about Kevin McHale his whole career. Said he was the best player he's played with Mono Mono. And um <laughs> like Sam Whiteside takes this one shot that's like way away from the basket and Barkley's like, What is he doing? Yeah, that's, that's not in the playbook. That's exactly what you need. You need like that. Like you need the insight and it's great to see the former players just because they wouldn't have done that. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just and Barkley's great. He's just a great him and Shaq together personality. TNT is just through the roof with it. My only thing I disagree with Barkley is how he won't admit LeBron's one of the five best players to ever play. I I think it's like the Skip Bayless effect. I think he likes doing that because just yeah. seeing, seeing people get fired up. Yeah, it's... I agree. So, on paper, we obviously know who the answer is. Uh, overall, who's your NBA champion this year? Yeah, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Same here. Yeah, I, I think the Warriors, it's like the early Miami years. I think they get there. I oh, think, I too. I don't think the Clippers are going to stop them. Or, they, or the Spurs. I mean, the Spurs, they didn't look good. The Clippers have the best shot in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I, I, I do. But I think, the Spurs, I mean, Kawhi Leonard's amazing. But yeah. it's, I think the Clippers, I think it's Clippers, Warriors, and the um, West Conference Finals. 
I think it's Cleveland runs through the East, just like always. Yeah, it's but the SEC. Kyrie's playing better than they did last year, which is unbelievable. Right, and, and like LeBron's almost got a triple double again. Yeah. And I think, I think um, it's kind of funny. The Warriors, went, LeBron, when he went home and when he went to Miami, they were the villains and everything. And when LeBron came back, people still didn't like him. You know what I mean? Because people love to hate LeBron. That's yeah, cool. That's fine. But now the Warriors are 100 percent the bad guys. Like Cleveland's looked at as like. Kind of, but I think if the Warriors and Cleveland, they're Batman. Exactly. I think if the Warriors and Cleveland get in the finals, like it's, I think everybody's gonna hurt to Cleveland. Like I know I will. I mean, I like Durant. I'm a big Russell Westbrook guy now. So you know, the other night when Russ didn't win there, I was kind of upset. But I think they're like the early Miami years. I think they're gonna win two or three championships. But I do too. That team's too good. I think. I, I don't know. I I don't know if Draymond or Clay will be there like three or five years. With that whole team. Because, I mean, what, Steph's under contract for, what, a couple more years? This is free agent year. Yeah, wait, okay, but he's going to sign back. Yeah. Clay's there, Durant's obviously there, and then I think Draymond's under contract for a little while, two or three years still, but I don't know if one of them has to leave. I don't know if all of them... Well, I think Steph went on record saying he won't sign a max just so he can keep the fu- like keep the funds going there. Um, And you mentioned, they, you didn't even mention, you know, Livingston, Iguodala. Yeah, I think their biggest thing, I mean, they lost Barnes, that's fine. He's not, he's replaceable, and he's better than Barnes now. But Bogut, losing Bogut hurts. Completely. Because Zaza no does not protect the rim. No. Zaza, yeah, exactly. Zaza's a good rebounder, but Bogut blocked everything. Yeah. And, like, you went in the lane, he either fouled you or he like, blocked everything. So it's they're missing that aspect. But I hope they get it together by Christmas Day. Yeah, I think I, they I will. I want to see a healthy Golden State team versus a healthy, like a, a full potential Golden State team against a full potential Cleveland team, because I think that's going to be awesome. I do too. But, and, and uh, speaking of Christmas Day, the first time they put the Lakers off the Christmas Day, like, yeah, now, I they're, know. now they're fun to watch, and you're like, oh, of course, like that how it goes. Yeah, I'm definitely on the bandwagon. They were at Indy like two weeks ago. I should have gone. Yeah, we could have got tickets for like four dollars. I know you look on you look on SeatGeek or any other sites. Pacer tickets, the Lakers without Kobe, like it's a good lord. It's you know ten dollar tickets to sit in the uppers, and there's not a bad seat there. That's awesome. Yeah, I went last year to watch Kobe play up there. His last when it was on his last two raw, like it was it was cool to see. Like the fan, like, it was just you know the Pacers weren't making the playoffs. Lakers weren't making the playoffs at the time. You know what I mean? Like it's just. The fans there were all there to see Kobe, and it was just packed. And the fans, both sides, cheering for him. And it was the Pacers won, and that's I mean that's what everybody wanted. I guess every there, but seeing Kobe drop twenty five was awesome in person. Even yeah. though it's not the same that I watch, but I uh, I went last week and I watched Paul George kick a ball and hit somebody in the face. Yeah, I saw like, the highlights. <laughs> yeah, that was a Bulls game, right? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was interesting. But hey, man, this was fun. Yes, Thanks sir. for joining me. Oh, no problem. Thanks, uh, we'll probably do this again come tournament time. Just cool. get ready for that. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're more than welcome to come back. Thanks, man. All right. That's this week's edition of the Fast Break. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.